y'all to a brand new year and a brand new tour. I am joined this week by Daniel. Hello, Martin. Hello. Remember when I used to host the podcast? <laughs> oh, that is true, isn't it? Yeah. Back in 2010. <laughs> many, 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 as as Martin found out this week, as I'm writing something for him, and it has been a long time since we started doing this. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, 2016 was a super off year. I believe we did five episodes the entire year. Um, hopefully 20... It just makes them more special. <laughs> 2017 would be a bit better with that. Um, and we wanted to get something on the record because honestly, I think we like, it was like the Switch reveal, it was the Game Awards, and then it's going to be the Switch um, actual press conference. I'm like, we should get something in between there. But I figured it like, we, we can do a Game of the Year show at some point, but... I don't think we just had this discussion. There isn't a ton of... I don't think there's anything we're going to fight about, like, who, which should be Game of the Year. It's going to be like, I think there should be, yeah, yeah, that's fine, whatever, go with it. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, instead, we're just going to talk about some of our favorite games of the, of the past year, some memorable games, some not-so-memorable games. I mean, there are games I'm sure people played that they were disappointed by, and no, this isn't going to be, like, 90 minutes of No Man's Sky talk. Has anyone of us played that? I was, I was actually going to ask, even more than that, did any of us have any expectations for that? Because I feel like we weren't huge on it. I had some expectations for it, but it, as usual, it failed to live up to them. Not like, oh my god, I'm really buying into this 18 quintillion planet thing. I just wanted it to be Elite Dangerous with no stress. And they, you know, all it, and they, what they did is they ended up making it so you have to mine for carbon all the fucking time. I, I just remember. You know, and I didn't want that. I didn't want. I just wanted to fly around planets and look at cool stuff. You know. I just remember. Into dog fights. Every time I saw a game, I would always ask people who were excited for it, like, "What's the gameplay here?" Like, I didn't get the systems, and it seems like there isn't a ton of systems in there actually when you do play the game. So my expectations were met. So yeah, um, I mean, I can't think of. Anything that was super majorly disappointing for me this year, um, outside of one thing, and I, I'll throw this out there, I'm sure some of you would agree with this, um, I, as you know, huge Nintendo fan on the show, I would probably say 2016 is probably their worst year in like a decade. Uh, wasn't that great? <laughs> well, I mean, they have to, they're, they're replacing both of their consoles, so of course it will be. Well, I mean, they're replacing one of their consoles. They're replacing both of them, Earl. I mean, technically, that's what they're saying, but the 3DS has a ton of games announced for this year. They're still getting yeah, replaced. But they kind of said, this is... I know. Yeah, and I then know. I the only reason why the 3DS got a ton of games is because they actually started localizing a bunch of but them. Even, even out, but even outside of that, I mean, some of them are ports like Yoshi, like Pucci and Yoshi, but you had that new RPG they just announced. Uh, they got that Mario... Not the Metopia one. No, not the Metopia one. The one from um, the people who did like, the Ocarina of Time 3DS port. Grizzle? Um, yes. I forget the name of the RPG, which tells you how great, how interesting it looks. Um, but they're doing a new RPG. Well, oh, but a... just because a console gets replaced, usually the old one isn't immediately oh, no. dead. Oh, no, I get that. I get Unless that. it's the Wii U, of course. Oh, I, and the Wii yeah. U, to an extent. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo has been... Or the Xbox. Or the Xbox. Huh. The original Xbox, I mean. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the original... Like, honestly, the original Xbox is such a fascinating system. Because I really... Like, everybody talks about Halo and Halo 2. 
But there was like year one and year three, and then the system went on for like a year and a half more. And I honestly can't tell you many things. Like, you know, there was Brute Force, there was Binks the Time Sweeper, uh, Grab Bike. There was Nice Little Republic, there was Republic he Commando, was there was Morrowind. But a lot of those games were like the first two years of the console. So I had the Xbox, but I couldn't tell you what I did with it in the last year of it. <laughs> and it's so, weird, it's so weird that you think about it, because like they did a complete 180 with the, cause the Xbox 360 was like the dominant platform of that generation. Um, I probably only played third-party games on it, which had a better version on it than the PS2 version, I guess. Uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm going to amend my statement because uh, you reminded me. This was actually not a great year for first parties as a whole. Because uh, Microsoft mm-hmm. did Gears of War. Well, I mean, you could argue that it's never a good year for first parties these days because Nintendo's always doing God knows what. But Sony I mean, never releases any games. Halo come out this year. Halo Five. No, uh, Gears Four came no. out this year. It was Gears and Microsoft 4, releases games but they don't sell. So you know. Well, they sell, but they like Microsoft has this very odd strategy, and it works for them. And like they'll put like five games out between September and November. They'll put like one game out between January and March, and then nothing in the middle. That doesn't seem like a good strategy, to be honest. I didn't say it was a good strategy. I said it's an odd strategy. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, think about the Xbox One. Like, what did Microsoft put out last year? Recall was September. Uh, Gears of War 4 was October. Forza was October. Forza uh, was also September. Oh, September then. Um, what else did they put out this year? I mean, when they do that, at least they do it with different genres. Like, Forza's a racing game and Gears of War is a shooter. Whereas, like... EA releasing two shooters within two weeks of each other, you know? Okay, it was a lot of bad decisions to share from companies. But yeah, and then Sony Sony had... Well, Uncharted 4 was good. The Ask Guardian turned out well for a lot of people. Uh, was, no, Bloodborne wasn't this year. Nope, it was the year before. What else, was, what else did Sony have that was big? Sony was really not much this year. Ratchet and Clank was all this year, but that was okay. April. Okay, Have they done anything with Little Big Planet in a while? They didn't. Three came out at launch, didn't it? So I guess that's been a while now. That's three years now. It's been a while ago. Yeah, and the team's working on a new, working on Dreams or whatever. I think that's the team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a very lackluster year for first parties. Uh, I mean, and, and on the bright side, 2017 looks better for Sony. I honestly don't know what Microsoft has for this year. I, I think Crackdown's supposed to be this year. And then Scale So Sony, year. to me, actually, like, the first quarter is, like, exceptional. And that's not just first-party titles, but a lot of it is just Japanese titles that don't come out on anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of that, again, deals with just, like, a lot of that stuff was 2016 stuff that kind of got pushed. Oh, yeah. And got pushed and don't forget that one of Sony's big things as well was the introduction of their VR oh, this yeah. year. I mean, that was that was forgettable. Well, I mean, big in inverted commas. <laughs> VR was kind of a bust this year as a whole. Um, they... There are compelling things that I, I finally got to try it out over uh, uh, Christmas break when I was visiting some relatives. And all I really want to do, I heard about some people talking about Battlefront's uh, Death Star run or just Battle Above the Death Star in VR, which sounded really cool. But I did the, the, the Office game where you just complete tasks or whatever, and then I did some uh, game where you actually got to use a gun and shoot, and 
those were all experiences, at least for me, that were novel for like the first five minutes. But like after that, I wanted to just sit down and, and play a game. Like I can't imagine at this point, at least, that a full fledged, a full sixty dollar purchase game would fit within the realm of VR as well, it stands right now. Also, are those experiences you would pay five hundred dollars for? <laughs> $500 yeah. at minimum, because I miss, yep. you need a PS4, you need a move, you need a camera. Just, uh, just, let's just assume he has already a PS4. So, $500 at least. And I think, and I think that's the big, that was the big, that was the big problem. Um, is, and, and, and like Anthony said, like, it's also very difficult to like, experiment with, because I'm not going to go to any store and actually try it out. And... A, f- a friend just told me, like, that was over New Year's, like, um, actually the sports center, for whatever reason, uh, or sports park is what it is, um, has now a thing where you can play Vive games. You basically pay, I think, for an hour or something, and then you can just play Vive games there. Which is weird, but okay. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Like, it's kind of like Bowen, where, like, you know, like they give you those shoes, and you, you want them to spray like fifteen times to make sure. <laughs> you know, you know the, the the first thing I ask them is like, do they clean those things properly between uses? <laughs> yeah, because apparently I've, they do. Because I've been to trade shows, still. and all they do is like they they'll swipe it down once with like an alcohol pad. I don't want to tell you guys what happens at hotels in the rooms that you guys stay oh, in. Yeah, hotels. <laughs> I mean. It's why I kind of switched to Airbnb, which isn't much better, but at least it's not, like, overused right now. Because, uh, yeah, like, hotel checkouts are 11 and check-ins are, like, two, 1. They're not going to have a lot of time to do a lot of cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, but usually I don't put my face on everything in the hotel room. <laughs> that is true. And you don't, yeah. <laughs> but, and, but, yeah, so you need, somebody who, you need somebody who's already invested into VR to kind of experience VR. And... There's not a lot of, you know, between all of the major different providers, there isn't a ton of VR out in the wild yet. And there isn't a ton of compelling games yet for a lot of people. And I don't think Resident Evil is going to change that for a lot of people. Um, like, mm, I don't think it's ever going to change. Yeah. Like if you said, ask me, I, VR is not for games. It's the same thing as Connect. It's cool for human-computer interaction, uh, not for games. Yeah, that's always been my thing. Is I think VR is an amazing technology. For anything else but games, like, um, you know, make me tour places around the world, or make me watch movies in VR, but... Go view houses in VR, you know, that would be cool, you know, but not... Have you all ever read Ready Player One? Yes, it's awful. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) No, I hated that book. I really hated it. (laughs) I'm with Martin on that. Uh, I, I mean, I guess hate is a strong word, but literally, it was like, I know the 80s, the book. It's like Right, right, yeah, and then references and stuff, and that's what I felt, at least at the beginning. The reason I brought it up, of course, if you have, if you guys have read it, is, um, like, they live in a virtual world, virtual reality, because yeah. the, uh, the real world is just too bleak and too dire, so people live online in this one world called the Oasis. Um, yeah. I thought the, the concept was interesting, and I liked the story where it went but i can understand if you know people felt it was trying to be too pandering or like you said i know the 80s or whatever well after 2016 that might be a reality for a lot of people in 2017 <laughs> so who knows maybe vr will pick up um, 
But yeah, so yes. Um, <laughs> we were here to talk about how fantastic 2016 were in games. We were talking about how first parties were awful and VR was a waste. So let's actually talk about some positive experiences in gaming. Um, mm. So yes, I, we talked about this before the show started. And I think a lot of us played and enjoyed Overwatch. Yeah. Quite a bit, actually. It's... it's uh... For me, it was actually surprising that I like Overwatch as much as I did because I still remember playing it at Gamescom for the first time on the press day. And I mean, it was just one match, so that might have contributed to it, but I played it most like, I'm not really feeling this. And then when I actually got to play more of it, I think that was the beta they did right before release. And then I got really hooked and, and realized how all these characters can actually interact and stuff. Uh, there was something that... There were a lot of things that were, that were not immediately apparent just from playing a single match. <clears throat> yeah, and I think more than anything, you know, talking about the game and kind of the concept of the game, is that I think it's really the first major successful games as a service on consoles I can think of. In the sense that I don't feel like you get ripped off if you don't invest money into the game, but they provide mm. enough new content over and over again that if you wanted to, like I know a lot of people were like near the end of the recent Christmas event where they like, just put in money in because they had. I'm confused Christmas. what you mean by that because there have been games that were running for years like that. Um, you know, Halo Three still had million players three years after the game came out. But no, that's not what I meant. Bungie were providing content for it all the time. But Halo 3 wasn't kind of served as a like, Halo 3, for the most part, was just kind of a game that you got. And it, I, I guess games as service, I think of as like they continuously expand it with stuff you can pay for, but out of that stuff is just given to you free throughout the game. And that's the... I, I, I mean, I, I get what you see. I get what you mean with like Halo Three and like you know Forge mode, for example. They had a ton of fun modes, uh, or cre- uh, community created modes and stuff like that. And there were tons of ways to unlock stuff. But as far as I know, Halo Three wasn't big on microtransactions or anything, was it? Well, I mean, there were like four DLC packs if you count but those. DLC... But it's it's still the same idea. It's the same idea, but I feel like because I feel Halo Three wasn't intended to be the end of Halo. Like, I feel like Overwatch, for a while, will be the Overwatch package, and they'll just continue to build on that. Where, like, we got Halo 3, we got ODST, we got Reach. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, like, kind of like, well, no, I, I was going to say Destiny, but Destiny expands with actual expansion packs. I mean, you know, like, Team Fortress 2 on PC does it, but that was never something they brought over to the console side of it. Yeah, fair enough. Because, yeah, I mean, and that, I mean, I'm sure other games have done it, but that was another big thing I enjoyed in 2016, because Gears of War and Overwatch did this, and I'm sure other games did too, but they kind of actually took the idea of seasonal events and seasonal wear, so, like, you could get ugly sweaters and ugly um, gun skins in these games, and it's like, okay, well, uh, I, will, I will pay a game for this, because it adds nothing of value, but it's something I can work towards over the season and dress my character up stupidly. Especially in Gears of War, because that game is still... Like, they added more colors, but it's still kind of dark. So to have mm. these really gaudy and awfully colored sweaters or gun skins which just a, is a really nice touch to that universe. Mm. Also, you can play as Killer Mike or LP. <laughs> <laughs> Gears of War... Um... 
I, let's talk about Gears of War real quick. Real, I enjoyed the game, but a lot of the multiplayer skins are so annoying after a while. Like I thought it would be cute because you have like you could get you could play as like Zombie Dom or something like that. Um, but after like hearing him grunt for like ten minutes, I'm like I'm done with this character. I at first thought Zombie Dom was a really fun idea, but they the voice acting is just great. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, these characters are good. I'm going to stick to the one who doesn't annoy me that most. And uh, kind of comparing it to Overwatch, I play Horde a lot. And I, you know, I tend, I like to play support. Um, and I think this is something Overwatch and Team Fortress does well, is they, they reward you for being support and playing support properly. Where Gears of War mm-hmm. does not do that. Like, if you're an engineer in Horde mode, you don't get as much experience or stuff as other people because you're not actually killing anything. And I think yep. games where you need to get into that mentality that you need to reward people for paying support, or you're not going to have people paying support. It's yep. really weird because it's such a basic thing as well, you know. And like you say, like TF2 has done it, and TF2 came out ten years ago this year, you know. But also Gears of War 4. I mean, Gears of War 4 is on my top ten list personally. I really liked, but it actually has a bunch of weird design decisions. The other thing for me is like how they incorporated the leveling into Horde with these cards. I don't think that's particularly great. And on top of it, to uh, gain more experience, basically, um, and potentially gain more of their fake currency, um, you also select bounties. And some some of the bounties for horde mode are kind of counterproductive to Your team game. play yeah. in a way, um, because they either require you to do specific things like kill enemies with explosive damage, even if that isn't useful. Or the worst thing for me is like is actually uh, the bounties that say like, "Hey, beat the first ten rounds." Hey, beat the first 20 rounds. Because of that, you get tons of people that play in Horde for the first 10 or 20 rounds and then just quit because they got uh... the bounty. And because the matchmaking doesn't matchmake for running games, you have a ton of games if you play random people that just end because people quit out. It's awful. But well, every time I've done it, it's with friends, and I think we were supposed to do it at some point. But time differences always make it a pain in the ass to figure that out. Yeah. But yeah, I um, I, there are some odd decisions with, especially the other thing with horde mode is like even at your best, you're still kind of like two, two and a half hours to complete it. Yeah. Uh, no I, I feel like they needed a way to make horde actually shorter. Yeah, it's like uh, when Halo Three introduced it. Was it three or o- ODST? ODST. Uh, ODST, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, the achievements was, like, complete this, like, you know, complete an entire game, and each time it would be, like, three hours. And you got yeah, to, like, and, and, and you know what? <laughs> I have had to do, I had to do that about four or five times, because we would be three hours in and just about to win the game, and then the network would crap out. Yes, a hundred times. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it was, it got to the point where I'm like, this is frustrating, and finally one weekend we did. And then you'd have to do it on each map, so it's not like you do it once and you're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and it's the same thing here. Like, we've got... And then what happens with Gears of War is, like, there's no... Like, if you screw up in, like, round 49, you pretty much might as well start over. Because there's no way for you to amount, amount that amount of money for a boss round in a single round. 
and you're just going to get demolished. Mm. So, yep. I mean, they 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 kind of the thing is, I mean, if I was to redesign it, I would probably redesign the difficulty to curve because, like, let's say the first five rounds are absolutely irrelevant, uh, and 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 the difficulty actually kind of uh, um, is growing way too slow. So I would probably make it so you earn more more money per enemy or something and increase the difficulty curve and, and maybe I'm just, to make this whole thing shorter. And maybe I'm missing something, but I would also allow you to kind of go back. Like, as far as I can tell, like when you level up the um, Fabricator, like everything goes up with it and there's no way to, mm. okay, I just want a level one torrent here. It's like, no, you got to buy level three. And that costs more money yes. in general. Cause yeah, like, that's yeah. true. Because, like, some, maybe you just want to replace a, a torrent with, like, a smaller one, but you don't want to spend all your money on it. Um, mm. But, yeah, really, a really fun game. I don't... It's not my favorite Gears. I think there's a lot of things that... Um, I understand that they wanted to do new enemies and stuff like that. I hated the robots at first. Um, I always say at first because they, you stop fighting them, like, within the first hour or so. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, the first hour of the game is weak, but then I really like the campaign, and it's probably my favorite Gears campaign. I don't know. I, I mean, it's the best balance as far as bosses go. <laughs> Though, again, yeah. some annoying boss battles. Um, but at least it makes sense story-wise as to why a lot of these creatures are kind of powered-up versions of the Locus and stuff like that. And it yeah. and it kind of ends on a note where it's like I did dub I did dub the final the final chapter. I always love a game that rewards you for like okay you know what we kicked your ass, we made you go through all this hell. <laughs> and instead of in like some games you like the boss rush, this game it's like you know what we're gonna give you the other end. We're just gonna have you go back through a lot of things and just kick their ass as much as possible. <laughs> with this we game. let you do a real fun stupid thing at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I much prefer when games do that over games being like. Okay, now you went through all this. We're going to test everything you learned so far again with one health power-up throughout it. So, go get it. And I'm like, no. That's never fun. I'm looking at you, beautiful Joe. <laughs> <laughs> another another shooter that had a great campaign I'm sure you all heard about by now is Timefall 2. Um, one, it has a campaign, which is a huge step up from Titanfall. And it turns out to be turns out the people didn't actually want a campaign, despite the fact that everybody complained about it well, last time. Well, people wanted a campaign. I think people well, were apparently not, because they would have bought the game didn't, if they did. Well, I bought it. I, I'm gonna. I bought it, but it was also one of those games that were like half off within two weeks of coming out. So I got it for twenty. I got it for thirty bucks, literally like the week after it came out. Um, and everybody's talking about the single player, which. I enjoyed, but I feel like it's one of those things where so many people hyped it up that like, my expectations for it were much... Like, I heard people call it the Super Mario Galaxy of first-person shooters. And if you know... Oh, that, God! <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do that, people! Not like Vanquish comparisons and stuff like that. People were way overselling it. I mean, I like the campaign, but it's definitely not my favorite shooter campaign this year. <laughs> yeah, from what I heard, I, and I need to start that game at some point. But yeah, people sold it that way, and I'm like, I understand the comparisons... But, yeah, like, when you say Super Mario Galaxy to me, it just triggers, like, this huge... It's like saying you're the Dark Knight of comic book movies. 
it's like you're just going to set those expectations to such a level that nothing's ever going to compare. But um, I did enjoy it, and I thought there was a lot of stuff in the campaign that I wish they had actually kind of kept throughout the throughout the entire campaign, and not just for like a chapter or two. Uh, yeah. Minus voice. Mostly, I like the time travel aspect of it, and I wish that was something they kind of really pushed more mm. of. <laughs> I understand. Yep. I understand. And the smart pistol part near the end was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And again, a game that, um, but, you know, it made the best of technology, and it was just really a fancy tutorial, which is kind of ironic, because you go into, like, I played the campaign and everything was fantastic, and then you go into multiplayer, and a lot of the stuff that you get in, you get to experience in the campaign, you actually don't get to unlock until, like, level 15 or 20 in this mm. multiplayer, so like, my favorite Titan in the campaign, I can't, I can't play as. So I'm playing as Titans I hated, and I'm just like, I don't know how to use this Titan. Uh, give me the good ones. You know. You can one. blame all the people that played Titan for one for that, and that's the. Pro- I just don't. I'm one of those people. I played the multiplayer because I um, I played the multiplayer because I I downloaded the trial because they were doing a weekend trial thing, and I was like, I'm going to give this game a fair shake, and oh my. I don't know what it was that they did to the multiplayer, but I do not like it. They took everything I liked about the multiplayer of Titanfall 1, and they, they just removed it. They kind of... I, and, I, I played the... Well, I played the Bayonet on the game, but it felt like they were trying... Like, they felt like the reason people didn't like the first Titanfall was that it wasn't enough like Call of Duty. Yeah, of, and it they, was... They felt... They felt... Because it wasn't like Call of Duty. They said they felt it was too chaotic. Yeah, so it wasn't chaotic. It, it was quick. It was swift, it was elegant, it was not chaotic. And, uh, you know, and there are some things about the multiplayer that they changed that just make... For example, so now when you rodeo titans, you have to you have to bust off this thing, and then you have to pull a battery out, and then you have to pull another battery out, and then you have to put a grenade in. And it's like, if I have to keep jumping on a titan in order to kill it without having a titan myself, What's the point in having Rodeo being a feature at all? Yeah. There's no point. It's the least efficient way of it being a, killer, a Titan killer. I used to like being somebody who just who had their Titan just walking around doing whatever it wanted to do, and I would jump on Titans and exterminate them that way. And it just isn't a thing anymore. I can't do it. Yeah, it's not as fun. It's really not as fun. And they, 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 they I think just before they had this trial, they were like... Yeah, we put that Angel City map from Titanfall 1, that map that everybody loves, into the game. And it, like, you can't put the same map into a different game and expect it to work. Because Angel City doesn't work anymore. I just, I, it's a really shame that they, they butchered the multiplayer because I, I was a big fan of Titanfall 1's multiplayer. And this, this came from expectations to not like it. And, like, the sequel's just worse in every way. Except for the campaign, which is really fun. Except for the campaign, but I don't care. I don't <laughs> I, care about the campaign. I got it for 30 you bucks. I'm not, I mean, between Titanfall and Titanfall 2, I think I paid 40 bucks for the entire series so far. It's not... It's not. And we've had this discussion time and time and time again on this show. It's not a premium brand. I think it's one of those games that if you sold it for 40 bucks, I think it would do... And it, it actually, to your point, it actually sold much better in November than it did in October when it came out. And part of the reason was most places you could find it for 25 30 bucks here. 
And I think it's one of those games that just is going to have that problem where people do not see it as a $60 franchise. Because the first game was all multiplayer. And it's not it's not being all multiplayer because Overwatch has sold well. It was the fact that it was limited multiplayer. Like, there was three Titans, there was two modes or something like that. Like, they added a lot over that first year, but the initial impression was there wasn't enough meat on these, on these bones. Um... Okay, just kind of, since he's been quiet, Anthony, what have you been playing this year that you enjoyed? Um, I've been doing a lot on 3DS. Uh, they've had a lot of smaller titles I've been enjoying. Um, Box Box Boy, of course, sequel to Box Boy. Super cheap, super fun puzzle game. Um, Which they just as well in as... I'm so What's sad. that? They just announced the final version of that. Uh, the trilogy is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Goodbye, Box Boy. Yeah. Which is really sad. Like, you don't put goodbye in the title. <laughs> well, we have to say goodbye to everyone at some point, Professor uh, Layton. Yeah, yeah. Um, did, uh, was, um, what was it called? Uh, Mutant Muds. Was the Super Challenge, did that come out this year? I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> well, if it did, um, I played that a bunch. I enjoyed it. Uh, Picross 3D, um, 2, whichever the 3DS version, um, I love Picross. I, I love the 2D puzzles. I could get lost in those just, you know, before I go to bed each night. But then Picross 3D obviously added a third dimension and made fun puzzles. But this this new one on 3DS, it's a full-priced title. But what I've enjoyed about it in going through the puzzles, like, they're not sorted by difficulty. They're sorted by um, kind of the category that they are. So they'll be, like, Puzzles that have something to do with swimming, puzzles that have something to do with gymnastics, puzzles that have something to do with construction. And we're towards the end of each of those sections, you have um, larger and larger puzzles. You also have smaller ones in each section, too. So instead of just getting all the small ones out of the way at the beginning, you could be on one of the last two sections in the game. And, you know, might you might not want a 50 by 50 grid. You might just want something small. And there's still... Something like that in each section as well, just for quick one or two minute puzzles, all the way to like twelve to fifteen minute puzzles. So I've been enjoying that, and then uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, Earl. But what did you think of uh, Star Fox Zero? I have not played Star Fox Zero. Um, really, I'm not a Star Fox fan. I think I've mentioned that before. I've tried 64 and I tried Assault or Armada, whichever one was on the GameCube. That um, one was okay. Not not the Planet one, but the other one that Namco did. Um, yeah, Star Fox Assault. Okay, and I'm just like, yeah, I've given up on trying that franchise, and I think I tried out the Wii U, and I mean, I'm a fan of the gamepad, but I felt like it's one of those additions that was just like, we need something to do with this. Yeah, it was a stretch, and I picked it up, and I enjoyed playing through the whole thing. I thought it was a well-made game as far as the levels were fun, and the dogfighting was fun, as it as it typically is. Uh, I've gone back to it like two months afterwards, and I have to get my bearings. I don't enjoy using the gamepad to aim. I think that the old Nintendo 64 way was just fine. There was a solution in search of a problem. And some people will defend that and say, well, there was a unique experience. And sure, there are certain areas where you're flying, and then you can aim at something on the ground because their weak spot is conveniently right on the top of their head or something like that. But I think that more people would have enjoyed it with a more traditional control scheme. Nintendo sometimes need sometimes needs to learn that not everything needs to be a unique experience. Sometimes more of the same is fine. I, well, I mean, if the if the low sales of uh, Federation Force don't tell Nintendo anything, nothing will. I, 
I, I'm going to say, I okay, I'm not paid the full game. I actually do own it, but I've been, I enjoyed what I paid of Federation Force. I feel like it was maybe it shouldn't have the Metroid IP attached to it, but I feel like if it didn't, I think a lot of people would enjoy it. It's a really mm-hmm. fun um, kind of co-op, you know, challenge-based game. It's you know, it's it's a decent third uh, first-person shoot on the 3DS. I don't see the problem with it. And I think it's um, not a bit ball. Whatever the uh, multiplayer game is called is actually enjoyable as well. So <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where if it was not Metroid Prime or if it was a Metroid title when we knew either of a Switch Metroid or a, a new Metroid in general, I think people would have been more receptive to it because people didn't hate Triforce Heroes as much, and it's a similar concept. All I'm saying is, I want a new F-Zero, and I don't care if you come up with a new gimmick, just give me a fucking new F-Zero. Oh, speaking of F-Zero, I actually did pick up uh, Fast Neo Racing, which is, it was like seven bucks on the um, eShop winter sale, and it's not, you know, it's not exactly F-Zero, but I do like the the big addition here is that you have, it's kind of like Ikaruga, is that what it's called? That, that yes, yeah. Ikaruga. Yeah, where you basically have orange and blue pads, and you basically change your car's alignment so that when you're on, you know, like you, in order to properly boost and in different tracks, you'll pretty much be alternating as much as possible to maximize straight strips and stuff like that. Really fast. How do you feel it controls? I've seen trailers. I never picked it up myself, but it, it seems like it controls very loosely and almost like I, I like how. Not every car in F-Zero GX does this, but like main Captain Falcon and a few others, the controls are very tight. How do you how do you feel I mean, the controls? So, I mean, so far I'm still in the early chapter. Like, there's a lot of games from pretty much like I started this and didn't go much further. But so far, I mean, a lot of them are, and it could just be the tracks. A lot of them are wider, but a lot of them do seem to control fine. Uh, I think the big issue is it's a game that gets jumps, and it's it's very hard for you to properly end it, and then the controls when you end, it's really wonky, so you end up veering to either side. So kind of aiming for anything in the air is a pain in the ass. But other than that, I've, I've had no real big issues with the controls. Um, and to Martin's point, I, I, I wouldn't mind if Nintendo uh, gave these people an a chance at F-Zero. I do think, and maybe we'll see, um, and we'll talk about this in a bit with our Switch predictions, is that I do think Nintendo should look into turning some of their franchises into maybe eShop experiences. Like, maybe an F-Zero wouldn't make sense at retail, but at 20 bucks on the eShop, I think you have a mm-hmm. market there of much more dedicated fans. And then you don't necessarily have to do anything new. Yes, you can say, look, it's just a cheap game. I mean, I feel the same way, like with the Mario Sports titles as well. I think those would fit really well as an eShop experience. Yeah, uh, there was no Mario Sports title this year, right? Uh, nope. It was a very interesting year for Mario because uh, he was all over the place. Um, literally, we had Paper Jam at the start of the year, which, well, for us, for you folks, that was twenty a twenty fifteen title. Um, which is really- uh, excuse me, Paper Jam Brothers. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, no, no. The 2016 title was Paper Jam. So the 2015 <laughs> title was Paper oh, Jam Brothers. Which is really fun. And I, I was actually just saying this before the podcast started, but a Paper Mario Kart Splash came out. And I just kind of going back there after being gone for about a month and a half. Is It's night and day different from Sticker Star. 
it's like I feel like this is the game they intended stickers sticker starter b they or maybe it was the criticisms that a lot of people had with sticker star that they improved on this aside from the fact that everybody is still toes i know people hate that um i get that but like i mean you know like the, you don't have to manage your, you don't have to manage your cards the same way it's not like some stupid thing where okay this card's like three times bigger so i have to fit it on the corner so i can fit like three more on the same page it's like okay you get a hundred max um, and, you know, you get every card is worth the same value. So giant cards are worth one. Small cards are worth one. Multi cards are worth one. None of this, like, oh, the cat statue is worth five spaces or something stupid like that. You never actually run out of cards. I mean, you do. But if you want to get more, you can literally just buy them in battle. They'll give you, you'll find random cards. Um, they actually have some really fun uh, battle gimmicks with it. Uh, like, uh, Kamek will come through sometimes and... It's like you have to beat this battle with all these five cards. Or you have to know your hand well enough. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you five cards. I'm going to show you them. Then I'm going to flip them over. So you can only pay. It's like you have. It's blind, but you can pick the cards to battle with and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, a lot of fun. It still has that big kind of annoying habit that Sticker Star had with the boss battles. Where it's like the boss battles aren't fun unless you happen to have that one right sticker and know exactly when to use it to finish this in like one hit. Yeah, um, I think the story's much better. I think it's the writing's much better. The world's bigger. It looks really nice on the Wii U. Great music. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Color Splash is worth it. I mean, I assume it probably did not sell well. I'm sure most people. I mean, because honestly speaking, like Anthony mentioned, Star Fox. I think between Star Fox and Color Splash, Star Fox was April, Color Splash was October. There was no Wii U titles from Nintendo. I think you're right. And that goes back to what we were all saying, is that obviously they're preparing Switch, and if they have an hour-long presentation prepared, aside from the hardware, of course, they're going to be showing, you know, what they've been working on. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, we'll get, again, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so we'll case you need all your teams on, on, you need all their hands on deck, because we've got software to ship for the new thing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the hope. But like we mentioned with the Wii U and the Wii and some with the GameCube, just because Nintendo doesn't release games in a year doesn't mean that they're busy making games for the next systems launch. Um, though we do know from rumors that a lot of their games are pretty much finished. They're just sitting on it until um, launch and to figure out how to maximize that. And, I mean, I guess we can talk about it here since we're already talking about it. And we'll go back and talk about Egg Doom and stuff later. Um... Is that I actually think that's a great strategy. I'm surprised. I mean, I guess because game development is such a kind of labor-intensive um, industry, like literally games are being done after they're shipped to us. Is that I think Houghton, like most industries do it. Movies, there are movies that are completed and held for months, sometimes years, to best maximize their release window. Um, you know, TV shows do that. Like most TV shows. Well, Netflix, of course, does it because Netflix finishes an entire season of a show before it airs. But most TV shows, when they air, they have five or six episodes. They're five or six episodes ahead um, in case anything happens in production today. Um, that and the fact that it takes forever to um, produce an episode. Game of Thrones finishes um, ahead of time. Westworld was was a big show this year. Actually, finished recording in 2014 and was finished post production in 2015. But HBO didn't know when to put it on their schedule, and it worked out well that they put it at this kind of this dead fall period, and everybody like there's nothing else on HBO to compete with it. 
the problem with that though is like season two is going to take forever because they don't like everybody's not together for it um but yeah we don't often see that in game where people are like okay we have these five games finished we're going to we're, we're not going to have an ea situation where we have battlefield and titanfall two weeks apart because it's mm. like we can do Battlefield in September and we can do Titanfall in December. We spread them out and maximize the potential for both of these titles. And no, you know, and, and then the, the other teams either working on post on support or they can start working on the next game. Um, so yeah, we had what? Well, okay, well, mixed rumors were facts. I mean, the fact is the only game that's officially confirmed for the Switch is Zelda. Um, yeah. Okay, I mean, not officially. The only game officially announced from Nintendo. Because we know Rhyme's coming there that was announced this week. And we know that Sonic... The Sonic 3D... Mania. Game, no, not Mania. Sonic. Mania. The 2D game's not coming so far. The 3D game. Oh, isn't? Oh, I yeah, thought I, that, that one was coming that, as well. That's some reason. a stupid decision, but... It's just the one... That, so far, it's just the one that nobody cares about. Yeah, I don't... Like, I mean, 2D Sonic... I'm going to pick any of the three platforms, I'm going to go with Nintendo. But I'm not Sega. There's a reason they are always broke. Um, but yes, I mean, but we have rumored... Okay, we kind of have hints of a Splatoon port and a Mario Kart port and a Xenoblade Chronicle port. And I'm... Okay, I'm curious because I know Anthony and I have Wii U's, but you two don't, right? Nope. I. So what do you think of? Well, not anymore. But yeah, but I think by the time most of these games came out, you had Zelda draws already. So what do you, as a as a consumer, what do you think? Like are these like I'm happy I get to experience these? Are you like uh, these are kind of old? I want new games. I already played Mario Kart, so I don't care. (laughs) Uh, I'm not gonna say no. I don't want Splatoon. I'm not gonna say. No, I don't want Mario Maker because obviously I've been hankering for a portable Mario Maker since they announced the thing. Um, the yes, version. <laughs> but I'm just like I'm just. But here's the thing, right? Is if people wanted those games, they would be bought. They would have bought Wii U's. So you need to have something that's not those games. Yeah, that's what I feel. And I, yeah. my hope. And I, I, I feel the same. I if I was that desperate for Super Mario great. Maker, I would have bought a Wii U by now, and I haven't got one. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, my hope is that, well, one, my hope is that they're smart enough to realize that. Two, I also hope that these games are the ones that were leaked because they're the ones that probably aren't being handled internally by Nintendo. So you know, like, okay, most of these we can tell come from Ubisoft. Um, because Ubisoft has always never shut up. Um, they were one of the big... I mean, they were the big reason a lot of the Wii U stuff leaked as well. Um, and it can tell, because most of the leaks come from Europe, um, and most of the stuff is focused on Ubisoft, like the Mario and Rabbids game, which I'm sure is the dream team up that everybody's wanted. I mean, Sonic and Mario, whatever. Mario and Kingdom Hearts, psh, whatever. Mario and Rabbids, like that's the two big icons of gaming coming together. Um, not not only really coming together, but apparently in an RPG. I like RPGs. I do too, but that's like, when I think of Mario and when I think of Rabbids, at no point do I think of RPGs. Like that's even... probably true. <laughs> well, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a uh, color splash instead of Toads that got red. <laughs> but. Uh... 
even uh, even aside from that, like Mario rabbits don't think of RPGs. They're on Ubisoft. Still not thinking of RPGs. True. <laughs> like at no point does it's like okay, this sounds like a great idea. Like I could see how it works. Like to Anthony's point, it could be a color smash where they are the support characters but i i can you know like rabbits have had the whole disguise stuff before so i can see it you know like they have like the sprinter cell rabbit and stuff like that that makes sense it's just an odd combination of all three things like if this was square making it okay it's part of that equation makes sense hmm but maybe maybe oh, they had an amazing idea and it will be great <laughs> it's gonna be an open world game, isn't it? Well, that's that what Ubisoft I mean, makes, was... right? It's gonna be a Mario open world RPG with rabbits. <laughs> Ubisoft doesn't make different games these days, do they? <laughs> I can't wait for the Mario game when you just follow that little bar as it fills up and you have to find. I don't know, I guess you'd probably hide the golden coins throughout the world so that he'd have to collect a certain amount to unlock part of the map. Um, or, or maybe one of mushrooms do that. And I don't know. It's an odd idea. It sounds like it sounds like Ubisoft wants to support Nintendo at launch, but they've been burnt too much. So like, okay, this time we're going to support you at launch, but you have to give us one of your IPs. And Nintendo's like, yeah, we're fine. We heard him out enough, anyhow. Um, just make sure you bring him back in one piece. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, it's really not much, you know, there's not much noted. Um, like, a lot of Nintendo, like, you know, we've mentioned before, a lot of Nintendo teams did not make anything in 2016. Uh, Star Fox was created by them in conjunction with Platinum Games. Uh, mm. Pokin was Namco. Twilight Princess was Grizzle. No, that was straight right. Um, Color Splash was Intelligent Systems. Fire Emblems with Intelligent Systems. Pokemon Sun and Moon were the Pokemon Company, Game Freaks. So yeah, Nintendo in 2016 really did not do a ton of work. Yeah. So I'm hoping... But my hope is that like, Retro is working on something. Uh, next several games. Monster games. You know. I, I hope that we will finally some see something new from Netro, Retro that is oh, not finally. Donkey Kong. Or Metroid, actually. I, uh, I am, I, I, I think Retro has earned enough. I would well. settle for not Donkey Kong. <laughs> See, I want Donkey Kong, but I don't want it from Retro. I think. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> Something for Retro that is not Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird though because they've made just Donkey Kong games and they have Metroid games, um, but. Yeah, I don't. I, I I guess it's because it's been so spread out. But yeah, to your point, it's literally it's going to be three years since uh, Tropical Freeze came out. It's been a while. Really? It will if they announce a new Metroid from Retro that will sell systems. I see. I don't. Okay. I don't. That'll bring some people back. It will bring some people back. I I would buy that system for that. I don't think it would sell systems. And when I say mean cell systems, I mean in any type of way that really moves the needle in any meaningful manner. It's the same way that, you know, we've had discussions, um, not us, but rumors on the line that have kind of gone back and forth between Mario and Zelda being launch titles. One, I think it's terrible to have Mario and Zelda launch. Not for, well, both from a consumer standpoint and from a business standpoint. 
from a consumer standpoint, what's going to happen is people like us are going to buy Mario and Zelda. We'll beat them within like two or three weeks and then ask what's next. From a business standpoint, you pretty much then negate any third-party support you get at launch because it's going to be Mario and Zelda versus a bunch of second-tier titles. Yeah. But I've said before, if I had to pick, and I am partially biased... But but also, I don't think most third-party titles would sell the system anyway. No, they wouldn't sell the system, but you have to give them some... You have to at least give them the opportunity to sell, because, you know, most people buy more games at on, so that's this is why on ha- tends to have a lot of junk in it anyhow. But, yeah, if you had Mario and Zelda... Like, I'm going to buy Mario and Zelda. I don't care about your 15-year-old Skyrim port at that point. Yep. But yeah, I, but I I don't know who these people are that still care about a five year Skyrim port on but, uh, Nintendo's. As I was say, to be fair, like, we literally just had a Skyrim port last month, two months ago, and that sold well. So people still care about it. But to your point, it just came out again. So it's a port of a port. Like, is there an interest? A portable in a, port. A portable port of a port. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, but yeah, to, like, is there enough people who are going to be like, oh, you know what, I really, I haven't played Skyrim, but I really want to play Skyrim that I didn't get to play on my PS3, my Xbox 360, my Xbox One, my PS4, and I want to play it on the go. Like, how big of a market is that? Um, but yeah, but yeah, to the, going back to my initial point, is that Mario at launch serves the Switch, Zelda at launch serves Zelda. In the sense that Zelda isn't a system seller in a meaningful manner, and that the people who are going to pick up Zelda are going to buy a Switch anyhow, where Mario caters to a more general audience. Mm. And I think because if you, I think because you can still you could put Zelda. Okay, the only reason I would have Zelda launch is because I know people have been waiting for it patiently since what twenty. It was announced in twenty fourteen or something like that. It was supposed to be out in twenty fifteen. It's going to be out in twenty sixteen. <laughs> so they give it to them. As soon as possible, <laughs> but from a business standpoint, Mario makes more sense, and you can drop Zelda in like June, and it would still sell relatively the same amount, no matter what. Um, but yeah, I think I—I I mean, I think the the the, the big ones that got for a Nintendo, but I also I'm curious uh, mostly about Japan, uh, just because with like we said before, this is the replacement for the 3DS, and. Are they going to migrate to the Switch now, or do they hedge their bets and wait it out to see? Because it's not like the West, where you have the PS4 and the Xbox One being healthy platforms. Like It's the 3DS, it's the Vita, and it's the PS4, and it's a huge gap in between each of those levels. Um, I, 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 I think we, I know where you want to go with this, but... Um, if I would have to make guesses, uh, that actually maybe my companies that are focusing on the Vita will migrate maybe to the Switch. Well, it's not even it's, uh, even then. I see those people like I see those because I think we can all say with certainty that Sony abandoned the Vita a long time ago, but those third parties continue to invest in it because the fans are still there, and I can see them still doing that for another year and two if they don't need to have big titles, but it's more people like level 5, um, or, you know, kind of these, I, I guess more the Enix side of Square Enix, who were big into like, pushing Dragon Quest on the 3DS. Like, that seems well, to be a brand they migrated. we kind of already know what's happening with Dragon Quest. Yeah, they're migrating that a lot to the PS4, 
but again, I do get something. It's coming to Switch as well. Well, I mean, okay, I'm trying to pretend they haven't really announced it and walked it back three times now. Um, but yeah, I can see stuff like Dragon Quest Builders getting a port or Dragon Quest Heroes 2. Um, Koei Tecmo, I think, is another one that has, one, they found success with Hyrule Warriors. But I also think they had a lot of... Also, Koei Tecmo has had a pretty good Nintendo relationship for a while, ever since we... I mean, they got the exclusive Samurai Warriors free back then. But, but Stuff yeah, like that. But yeah, like I said, it's more like the smaller company. It's like the level fives. It's kind of like your Capcoms, not with your Resident Evil, but stuff like Phoenix Wright. Uh, you know, and the, the tinier... Like Resident Evil, H, uh, well, Revelations, and... What was the other game they had that wasn't Revelations? Mercenaries? Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, did they, they were the ones who did EX Troopers as well, right? Well, I don't did, know. What? What do you mean? EX Troopers. Wasn't that a game they made in on the 3DS? Capcom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. That's yeah. what I mean. I, I wish think... we got that game. Uh, yeah, it's that... good. Well, most people wouldn't know because they couldn't port it over because of the hard-coded um, subtitles. I played in Japanese, yeah. so it's good. <laughs> Um, actually, what a game I've been playing on the 3DS that I'm actually really am curious to see. If, I, I hope they do a sequel to is Project X Zone. It, it's not a great strategy game. To make this, I mean, no, I, it's it's a terrible strategy game. It's, but it's a really fun kind of like this. all that's going for it is for fans. Oh yeah, and that's not a good game. And, and that is perfect. That is a perfectly fine reason to make a game. Like sometimes all you need is some sizzle and no steak. Because that game, I, I, I got, it, it's like Marvel vs. Capcom for me. It's like Marvel vs. Capcom, I think, is the flashiest fighting game franchise. And that no matter what you're doing, it always like you're doing but, but amazing. There, but there is substance, there, there unlike is, with Cross Zone. There, there is substance, but yeah, with Cross Zone, it's really like, okay, press A, and these characters will do like a 50-hit combo for you. And you're just like, yeah, sure, go for it. Like, you have the, you have multiple systems in place. But everything's like just tap a button and everything's automatic. So it's not like a, it gets set up like a fighting game because you're on one side of the, and you would think, okay, you have to block and parry. It's like, no, just attack them and eventually you'll break through their shields. And then you can trigger team up moves with no problem. Like there's no, there's no XP cost to using team up moves. So you might as well use them every battle. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's very mm. little strategy I find in it so far. And the story's so batshit insane. It's really like, it's funny, though, because they try to reconcile it with people's games, so it's like, oh, I know you, but no, you don't know me because I invaded your game later on in a sequel, or this, or, like, this character died, but they had to bring them back for the game. It's like, weren't you dead? Like, yeah, uh, I guess not, whatever. <laughs> or from time, it's weird. The story's stupid, but it, it's fun for the fan service and the stupid goofiness about... The fact that they all wear their costumes and everybody knows they're wearing their costumes. So you can have guys commenting on the fact that these like these girls on skimpy outfits. Or Morgan from um, Darkstalkers pretty much had to boob out the entire time. Um, but I'd love to see a sequel to that. Um, uh, just because, again, like Microsoft's B team doesn't really do anything <laughs> aside from that and helping with Mario Kart, apparently. Mm. Um, and I... Well- Guys, I have to uh, I have to call it here myself, but it was good catching up with y'all, um, and I will see y'all next time. Have a good one. Hey there. See ya. See ya. Okay, so any other... I, I, I for some reason, personally think we... 
say I could see um what could I see? Uh, no, for Nintendo we for Nintendo we kind of know what's happening. We know Mario and and Zelda. Well, we I mean, I mean that's I, the thing I, though. We don't really know what's going on with Nintendo. Like I think we know what they want us to know. Like, you know. Yeah, that's what I was saying. We know about these two games. Yeah, but like I think. Because, you know, the rumor is, okay, we're going to get a Smash Brothers port that isn't handled by Nintendo. I hear the Xenoblade port isn't handled by Nintendo. Um, Splatoon might be handled internally, but it's a game that you already have a basis to build off of. Zelda There's the rumor of Pokemon coming. Yeah, Pokemon, that's not handled by Nintendo. Um, and actually, I think Pokemon Stars would be a great idea for them. Not because I want Pokemon Sun and Moon again. But I do think it's really wise for them to just get kind of get all the Pokemon models in 3D as early as possible, so you can do a bunch of spin-off games with them and reuse the assets. Um, mm. Because I always they're already like, in 3D. I mean, like the actual 3, like actual proper 3D models. Not like the, they're already most of them already are, and they have been for a long time. Have they? Um, yeah, there's a there's a what is it? It's something like fifteen dollars on the eShop, some stupid Pokedex app, and all the po- all the Pokemon in there oh, right, are right, rendered right. in surprising detail. Um, I don't know why they didn't use the same models for the main games, but they were they're there, they exist. I forgot about that. I it's very strange. That. But yeah, I mean, just haven't they? You know, it's the same way that you kind of reuse a lot of like the Mario 3D assets constantly. <laughs> Or, you know, stuff like that. Just to have a bunch of them. Because, uh, I mean, but yeah, like, you get the high-quality models like Pokemon, and it's like, yeah, I mean, like, have a bunch of those sitting around so you can do stuff like... I assume we're going to get a Pokemon port because, like, none of the DLC characters have come to the Wii U version. Um, and I think there's, like, four or five of them in arcade. That, that, so- that sounds plausible. Yeah. I, I, I think Nintendo's big focus is going to be on expanding their base with fighting games, RPGs... And I want to say shooters in some regard. I don't know how they're going to do shooters, but I could see them getting Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. I don't see them getting Injustice, which I definitely not. think we could... I definitely think we will see something from Intelligence Systems, because they are kind of a workhorse of Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm just not sure what it will be. Yeah. I could see maybe a new Fire Emblem, but on the other hand, there's also the mobile Fire Emblem coming, so I don't know that something that would be on high on a high priority list. I would also say to... that with Fire Emblem is that we just got Awakening this year, so I well, think... we just got the in the West. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and I think that I, I, I you know I got a, a lot of a, the first year is very important, but I also do think like long term they need to think about like, 2018 and stuff like that. So I think Fire Emblem would be like a 2018 title. Um, well, I, the thing is, I I don't think we will just hear about launch. I feel like I've, I, I that, know. that is some, that is something we've heard time and time again from rumors is that Nintendo was planned for let's say the next six months. After yeah. launch. I think we'll hear about everything through the end of 2017. And then I think at E3 they'll start revealing 2018 plans. I do think they need... Because I think I, we had this discussion in a post-mortem for the Wii U. Is one of the biggest problems with the Wii U. There was a lot of problems with people at launch. Was that they kind of focused on the launch window games. Like the games within the first six months of the uh, console's release. Where I think, the, the, I think the only time I would want you to do this is at launch is you reveal everything for like the next two years. 
so that people understand what's coming to your system. Sony did this. Like Sony, you know, it's like okay, you're getting this, you're getting this, you're getting this, you're getting this. Microsoft does it too, so that you. But can... a big problem for you was that a lot of what they talked about, like being launch or launch window, also just kept slipping and slipping. Oh yeah, and that, and that, and that. And, and, and that was a problem. Yeah, and that's, and that's why I said I think it's good that like, from what we hear, a lot of the games they have ready are they're sitting on to put out at maximum time. So, like, like you know, Mario Kart Port is done. They can release that in like May, and you keep the momentum going. Um, you know, Mario vs. Rabbids, you hear it's done, and they're debating if that's launched in September. Again, makes sense. Because you can... Most consoles so what launch... It's keeping up that momentum through the end of the year. That's always been Nintendo's problem. Um, well, not always been their problem because the Wii U's first year is fin- the Wii's first year is fantastic, um, and I think the GameCube's first year was really good as well. The game, the only problem with the GameCube was a lot of those games were rushed. But like the Wii's first year, what mm. Zelda, Galaxy, Metroid Prime Three, um, what else did they have in that? Oh, yeah. Carnival games. <laughs> Carnival, but yeah, they have Wii Sports. <laughs> That we play, they have Mario Party. You know, games that kind of appeal to everybody that expanded their base, that had, you know, big titles. Smash Brothers and Mario Kart were out within the first 18 months of that system. It was a really, like, in hindsight, it's a really well. Like, I don't know if they planned it that way, but it's a system that had just major hitter after major hitter for the first year and a half. Um, and then, of course, they kind of hit that brick wall after that, where it's like our big game for 2018 is Animal Crossing. Um,. Which hindsight is actually a good idea because Animal Crossing is a huge brand, but it's not a November title. It's more of like a September title. It's something that you get people invested in your system as you um, do it. And I think that's been Nintendo's big problem over the past few generations is like they've done new IPs, is that they've mm-hmm. not done new IPs that um, resonated with people on the same level. Where like I think now you can do Mario as a November title, Zelda as a November title, Metroid as a November title, and I think Splatoon now kind of joins those ranks. Where I think Splatoon is a big enough brand for Nintendo, where they can have it as one of their marquee titles. Mm. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, so 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 let me ask a couple of things because some some games are thinking about, and just want to know what you guys think. So we we talked about retro. So do we think retro making a new Metroid? No. No. Uh, Daniel? No, I don't think so. Something new or based on a Nintendo IP? Probably based on a Nintendo IP. IP. I'm not entirely sure what, though. I just think it's... I think it's based off a Nintendo IP because, I mean, I think it's, it's one of their worst habits. Is I don't think they trust the West yet to do new IPs. Um, I feel like they, mm. the last time they trusted them to do it was Project Hammer, and that never came out. Mm. Next one. Capcom. Will we see a Monster Hunter on the Switch? Yes. Will it be a port, or will it be a new one? And if it is a new one, will it only be on Switch? No, it's Monster Hunter, it's Monster Hunter XX. Um, <laughs> double Cross, or whatever you want to call it. Um... Because, I mean, the, the release date is too... Like I said, I think a lot of Japanese companies are going to hedge their better than 3DS still having decent sales mm-hmm. for the next year and a half. But I think they want to start switching people over to the Switch. No pun intended. So I think that's going to have... You're going to be able to cross over those two titles. I'm willing to agree with that, yeah. Okay. Um, there was something else I was thinking about. 
Oh yeah, um, Namco. They did some weird things, even with Wii U, like doing that late Tekken port. What do we think they will do? Do we think they might try to get Tekken 7 on there? But I think that might be difficult with what we heard about the hardware. I feel, I mean, I think they'll do it. I mean, it's, I assume they'll... And Namco, I think you've mentioned, has been one of Nintendo's biggest partners. Um, I mean, I just found this out recently. I, at one point, Nintendo tried to buy them as well. But I think that mm. was blocked due to um, the bulk of it. But yeah, like I said before, the big thing is going to be a Pokemon port. Um, I think that's going to be it. And, yep. I, and, I, and I can see them, if they're working on te- technology, I can see them trying to do Tekken. Just because I think it builds off that momentum for them. Um I, don't I mean, technically, Tekken 7 could probably run because it's Unreal Engine, and the thing can do Unreal Engine, it just probably wouldn't look as nice as it does on the other systems. Yeah, and I mean, they did Tekken Tag Tournament for the Wii U, and I think, if nothing else, you know, um, I think that's going to be a big thing for them. I, You know, there's rumors of Dark Souls. I don't see them doing that, not at launch anyhow, just because I don't see the market for it on Nintendo systems. I think Dark Souls also just seems like a weird thing, and I don't know how where this rumor is really coming from. It it does it just doesn't feel like from move from software, especially it feels more like multi either doing multi platform stuff or well actually from software is more someone who either does things for Sony or for Microsoft. Yeah, I can see them doing a the part of the recent Tales game. Um, because, I mean, I think Tales of Symphonia, the GameCube version, is still the best-selling version of the franchise in the West. Hmm. Um, One Piece? Yeah? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it was One Piece games. A lot of those came out on Nintendo systems, so that might be something, yeah. Yeah, and again, if you're going to try to get that 3DS audience, I think that's one of the games you can use for it. Um, Nemco is also putting out those Dragon Ball games, aren't they? Yeah, um, the Xenoverse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I think, like I said, I think Nintendo's trying to get that fighting game audience. I don't know why. Um, so yes, I think that's. I think Namco's going to be their big partner in that. And I think, I, again, I think they'll probably be handled with Smash Brothers port, since they were the ones who handled it for Wii and the 3DS. Hmm. Okay, um, let me try to think. I, I thought there was another one well, I had in my head. Well, I'll ask um, the big one. It's Square Enix. Um, yeah. I don't... I mean, the big thing I see from them, and I could be wrong, I mean, aside from the Dragon Quest stuff, is I... I Dragon Quest is definitely coming. Yeah. I think we can pretty safe say that Dragon Quest Nine is coming, and I'm pretty sure it will not be the 3DS version that is coming. Yeah, it will be the boy version. They'll get 10 and 11, and I think they'll get... I think they'll get Heroes 2, and I think they'll get a Port of Builders. I also think, and I could be wrong, but I feel like World of Final I, Fantasy... I think Builders is not as sure as you think. Okay. But I, I just because I just know Nintendo was working on like building Minecraft, and I feel like that's something that Square could build on. I know, but um, I just don't think it's as sure. Yeah. The sequel, if, if there's a sequel, I would say yes to that. Uh, but yeah, um, like I said, World of Final Fantasy, I could see getting a port. I think... I mean, I, f- I feel like that caters more to Nintendo's audience since it's closer to Pokemon than it is a traditional Final Fantasy game. 
I, I get where you're coming from, and I don't know if if Square is in that. Late I don't think that's that game's worth porting. I don't think that game's worth porting to anyway. Yeah, first of all, that, and second of all, I don't think it's Square really fills this late port stuff. Well, I, 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 know, I mean, Square, yeah, Square's okay with it. I was going to say, I guess more to your point, is, I mean, from what I understand, it's not a good game, but it also didn't sell well, and I feel like they might try to port it just to kind of recoup some of their money. Because if, if you could squeeze that... I don't know, I just think that, like, they didn't... Porting isn't too expensive. I just don't think that it's worth anyone's attention. I'm not saying that it's a, it's a bad game or anything, I just don't think it's worth the attention at this point, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, again, kind of going to the point that a lot of people just throw out stuff at launch because that's when games sell. I could see them doing it, because I don't, I mean, I feel like Square wants to support them, and I feel like with Nintendo, like, a lot of the stuff we've heard about the Switch so far, and, you know, the 3DS was big on this, is, like, Nintendo seems to be going up to that JRPG crowd, and I don't see Square Point of Final Fantasy 15, but I feel like Nintendo, if, if your Nintendo needs to get something with Final Fantasy there within the first year, and it rolled the Final Fantasy stage, just get for them. Unless they get some type of product that Final Fantasy fighting game, Descendant 2 or whatever. Hmm. Uh, I've been trying to think what Vita games came out in 2016, um, because that, that some of those might be actually be a good fit for the system. But it's hard to think. Like, World of Final Fantasy, of course, is one of those. And Dragon Quest Builders. But Dragon Quest Builders, I think, would probably... Sequel would be more likely. I can't really think of anything else that's big. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and I, th- I think this is the divide that we are seeing. I mean, this is the divide that Japan's... Maybe, maybe but maybe... Screenix would port something like I am Setsuna. I okay. This is a long shot, shot in the dark. Do you think there's a chance of the final, not the Final Fantasy, the Kingdom Hearts 2.8, whatever, whatever, uh, HD remastered coming to the Switch? No, zero. No, those That's games haven't even come out on PC yet. So, well, I mean, PC is different. I mean, because like we've had. Kingdom Heart game. But I mean, well, the, the, I'm saying like, but Square Enix has gone on a PC porting binge as of late. Like every every single Final Fantasy game almost is on Steam, and I think that like once they start porting to PC, that's when you can sort of assume that they're going to start. They might start porting to some other stuff, but they haven't. They're not. So I don't think. I think they're just going to keep it on PlayStation because that's. That's where the Japanese audience is, and well, see, that's, uh, thing, no, that's not where the Japanese audience is. That's the problem. Well, I mean, if, that's, the, if there is going to be a Japanese that's, that's where they audience in general, as so. though. Yeah. But, but, but um, okay, that and I kind of getting back to my point with, like I said, with the 3DS is like, okay, for example, Final Fantasy 15 just came out, and that game hasn't been able to break a million sales in Japan yet. And if that's Final Fantasy, and you're a RPG company in Japan, do you not look at that as a worrisome sign and be like, we need to diversify our portfolio because this... Right, but they're relying, for Final Fantasy 15, they're relying on the West to get all the sales. Well, because they but, know... but, but a lot of companies, not a lot of companies, but Japanese companies don't necessarily have the same crowd that Final Fantasy has. Where, like, example, Tales, the Tales games tend to sell better in Japan, better relatively speaking, than they do in the West. And if you're not getting that... 
or if you're Square and it's like like if you're dependent on Final Fan uh, Kingdom Hearts, are you selling well on the PS4 and you can't get Final Fantasy to crack a million, which is really one of the few PlayStation franchises that did it consistently. Do you not be like, okay, maybe we should look into doing this on something else? Because again, in the West, it's no problem because you have the Xbox One. Um, the Xbox sales are kind of irrelevant well, I mean, in the I, grand scheme of things when well, it comes to Final Fantasy. Well, and, uh, <laughs> but, but you, have, you have you have two markets like in this generation, but last generation, you're like the Xbox 360 was something you could port. Like, essentially, those two. Uh, might go back you you could also port to the 360, but even on the 360, the sales were kind of yeah, relevant when my, it comes to Final Fantasy. My, my point was that that you have those you had those two, so it wasn't just dependent on PS3 or PS4 being healthy. It was like you had these two systems, and we can help. Like if one's not healthy, the other one might be. And I, you know, we've gone back and forth over the last year with PS4. At least, at least here in the states, I know Europe, it's been PS4 all the time. But here in the states, it's like okay, you know, the Xbox One was the better system, the bet, the healthiest system for half a year, and the PS4 was better for the other half of the year. Yeah, but I, I'm just telling you that because when you look at sales percentages, okay, it's, but, okay, but it's I, that they, these these kind of games just sell no, exponentially no. more on okay. one system than the other. Yeah, that's that's true, but it's not true of all Japanese games because like something like Resident Evil does better now on the Xbox than it does on the PS... Well, at least on the last generation. We haven't had Resident Evil 7 come out yet. Exactly. So, like, you... you but you had those two in some sense where you don't necessarily have that in Japan because even with the 3DS and the PS4, there was such a huge gap you had to pick one or the other. Um, yeah, I, I I still don't see Kingdom Hearts happening. Okay. Just because that is not really a franchise that's associated with Nintendo, you're not going to get the other Kingdom Hearts stuff, so what's the point? Well, You'd I mean, need one before two. Well, I mean, at this point, it's not... I, I was going to say more, I guess, because doesn't... Is it 2.8 or whatever? Doesn't it have someone... It has a 3DS game. Um, and there's... Yeah, but it's like the third part of the Kingdom yeah, Hearts no, we're not going to get into Kingdom Hearts or anything like that, but yeah. Uh, and uh, you're not going to get Kingdom Hearts free. Yeah, okay. Um, but, uh, we kind of mentioned Sega already, and I honestly don't even know what Sega does outside of Yakuza and Sonic anymore. PC. Well, you're not getting Yakuza, yeah, so I know that. You, you're, you're not going to get any of the PC titles. Yeah. So it's basically Sonic. Um, so it's that Sonic game, and maybe they go to Olympics again. Well, they, go, they don't go to the Olympics again for not, another two years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that one, I just, I was looking at this yesterday, I'm like, Sega really does not make a ton of games anymore, do they? No. <laughs> like, I knew they scaled back, and they would say they were going to focus on Sonic, Yakuza, and that, um, that, that PC war game, war, whatever it's called. Um, war, uh, Total War. There we go. Make, they actually yeah. have a couple of other strategy titles as well. They just bought a number studio not too long ago. But, but like, it's all strategy games for like, PC. Yeah, what happened to Sega? Like, they really don't make anything else. They made a whole bunch of shit Sonic games and they couldn't figure out why they were bad so they decided to just, just make PC, <laughs> PC games, sorry, because that's the only thing they can do properly. Uh, I would mention Konami. I, I imagine we'll probably get a port of that um, Metal Gear game. 
Nah, possibly. Yeah, maybe. What is it called again? I don't know. Metal Gear Survive. Yes. Wow, I, I honestly didn't remember. <laughs> like, I forgot that was a thing when I'm like, there is a Metal Gear game in works. Um, yeah, and okay, like, we kind of mentioned Ubisoft. Outside of Ubisoft, who do you see being their best partner in the West? Like, I'm not. I, I'm, I, 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 what I would want to say is there will at least be one EA game. I'm pretty sure it's going to be FIFA. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be FIFA, and I'm sure it's gonna be Port of Madden <laughs> in March. I'm, I'm not even sure you're going to get Madden this time around. I, I'm just gonna say just FIFA. I think, I think, I, I mean, I, this is me. This is more my hope than their expectation. Is I also kind of expect a port of Pants vs Zombies too. Garden Warfare, mm-hmm. not the um. I don't know what you mean. The second one. Yeah, but. Uh, just because I think like it's a shooter that hasn't really found an audience, and I do think if you pair it with Platoon, like you have some crossover there. And again, I think EA, if nothing else, will pass some games for the Switch to say, like, "Look, we tried, it didn't sell, we're done." Um, That's one I could see. I'm still gonna stick with just FIFA. <laughs> I, I, and I think I think if I'll think if nothing else they'll get mad they'll get next year's Madden over the summer which will be based off of like the Xbox 360 version of Madden which I'm sure they still do. Um, I'm pretty sure they do. And just have an updated roster like that's basically what they did with FIFA is they would just put the updated roster on like the PS2 version of the game and call it a day. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, but I mean also. And I could be wrong. What else does EA have? I mean, we know we're not getting Mass Effect, which was just announced. You're n- yeah, and you're not getting Battlefield. I'm pretty sure. I can see. Uh, I was gonna say I can see nope. Titanfall, just because again it didn't really sell well, so why not um, try to recoup some of it? But um, I don't think that studio would want to, and I don't oh, think I don't, EA I don't, is going to hire someone else to do that. I mean, I think they have enough studios to do some of this stuff anyhow. I am curious to see if Nintendo... Like, I mean, I don't think they would, but I always thought that, that something... Sony does that, is that Nintendo should have kind of a studio or a bunch of people who help third parties port games um, because we've been through the GameCube, the Wii, and the Wii U where it's like, one reason or another, third parties don't want to support your systems. Give them one less reason to not do it. To be like, we'll help a part of this. We'll market it. We'll port it for you. Um, yeah, they I, probably should, but what about Activision? Like, I imagine we'll get a port of Skyenders. Um, I mean, didn't that last Skylanders game tank? Yeah, but just look at a port of it. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know, I, that would be very expensive for a series that they're probably going to crack uh, in the pot. Well, I think I think they've got to make it, they've got to make all the uh, the portals again, and they've got to sell well, I mean, those. There's another skew for the that's, that does for a game that doesn't sell at all anyway. Yeah, you I know. mean, I mean, shops are probably already upset that they still have <laughs> all that stock from the old stuff, and oh, then sure your version is. comes out, and then you want to tell the shop, yeah, no, 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 you have to stock this shit again because now there's a new version out. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they. I mean, you won't really have to re- remake portals because most of them are. I mean, aren't they USB powered? You have. You have to go through a whole bunch. Yeah, but 
What if the Switch doesn't support accessories via USB? Why wouldn't it? I mean, it has USB, um, and I would imagine. Yeah, but I would imagine th- that doesn't mean to say that 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 will happen. Uh, I mean, I've not. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to go with that happening because even, I mean, the Wii did it. The Wii. U, it doesn't make any sense for them to go backwards in that. Um, and I mean, well, I mean, it I, does because Nintendo can just say, "Well, we built Amiibo support into the into the thing." Oh, so yeah, you use but, that. But NFCs was built into the Wii U controller as well. Yeah, but they, I can see Nintendo just going, just use the, the built-in NFC thing. if And and then do you have to go through a whole bunch of re-engineering to get the same things to work with the new, the new system, and it would just be a pain. I can't... I, I can see it just not working. Because uh, there's a whole bunch of hardware stuff that Activision has to... If, if they don't know it already, they're going to have to negotiate it. And then uh, they may just go, oh, screw this, the game's not selling anyway, we don't want more unsold stock. Well, I was going to say, the only thing I would say with that, and I could I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain this is true, is that Skylanders and Disney Infinity has really done decently on the Wii U because of the children's market. So I could see them giving it one last chance to say, like, okay, you know, the Wii U wasn't selling that hot, maybe we can convert some of these people over, especially being that we kind of got rid of some of the competition with Disney Infinity closing up shop. Um... I mean, that's... yeah, but considering the rumors of yeah, Activision, considering scrapping Skylanders completely, I don't see it. I mean, they should take a year off if nothing else. Um, I, I mean, Sky... also, I don't. Also, I don't see Call of Duty happening, uh, mostly because the last game was not made by Treyarch. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. Because Usually it's the Treyarch games, because Treyarch, for some reason, are the masters of downporting the game. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm not hedging my bet. Like, I'm not hedging my bet on any major fall title from this year coming out over there. Um, again, I... Because it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, because you don't want it to seem like you're getting a bunch of like, ports... At the same time, you also like you want to like, you want the next Assassin's Creed, you want the next Call of Duty game to be announced for your system, not the previous one, because that ship has sailed. It's been six months, seven months, eight months, um, and I, I still don't see that happening. <laughs> um, but I nope. do I do see them getting scraps here and there. Like Ubisoft, I think you know I think the next Assassin's Creed game will be announced for it. Um, I'm just saying for Activision, it's difficult because except for Skylanders, which because of a market situation, it seems difficult. I don't think they have anything they can put on that system. I'm trying to think of what else Activision has. Nothing. They have Call of Duty and Destiny. Yeah, okay, I don't see Destiny. I could, I mean, it's a long shot. I could possibly see Overwatch. Mm-hmm. I don't know because uh, the console versions of Overwatch are kind of left behind in the dust a little bit anyway. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Blizzard wants to add another platform to the list of, you know, that they barely support anyway. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I could see it being one of those Batman ret- Arkham uh, City scenarios where it gets support and like no real, so, like no real poster on support after the fact. But we'll well, the thing the thing is, usually Blizzard does what Blizzard wants to do, and it's, I they don't they are not really the kind of guys that get told by Activision. It seems. 
so but yeah i'm really like i it's it's like i mean it's kind of something i've known but it's i mean because it's nintendo and just kind of looking at it in broad strokes it's so weird how few franchises so many companies have these days where it's like look at like ea for example outside like fifa madden the things they do consistently is the battlefield games which they're not having one this year yep and they have star wars they're doing star wars now which they've only produced one game for so far um yep Sega, it was Sonic and Yakuza Moshi. As far as like console stuff goes, Capcom was Resident Evil and the Street Fighter games, which doesn't matter because Sony has a Street Fighter Five exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is there? Activision. Like I've known Activision for a while because Activision was always kind of those one franchise at a time companies. They had Tony Hawk, and then when Tony Hawk was dying, they got Rock Band, and when Rock Band was dying, they got. Not and they are see- and they are seemingly getting rid of all their licensed stuff right now. Yeah. So nothing of that is coming. Yeah, because like, Ninja Turtles was just the yes did. Yep. Um Yeah, and like, yeah, and I'm trying to think of like the other major publishers, and it's like it's the same story with most of them. It's like there aren't a ton. Like a quarter one is jam packed, but a lot of that stuff again is either the eight games or games that just can port. Um, I mean, I guess technically Sega has Atlas, but Atlas is thought of as something so different. Um, like mm. I could see the Shin Megami Tensei series continuing on the Switch, just because that seems to be more associated with the 3DS. I, I'm going to say, like, Persona 5 is probably something you could put on the thing, yeah. but I bet because of the close working relationship with Sony, it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I could see... I mean, I you know, I'd rather a new a sequel, but I can see a port of uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Um, True, that's something they could do. I probably no one bought the thing on the Wii U. But I know that that's the Wii U's fault. I honestly. Because nobody bought a Wii U, that's why. Well, it's, again, it's not even the, like I said. It's not. It's a game that's such a niche. It, it's a Fire Emblem crossover Persona game. Like the crossover of that. Yeah, but because of Wii U sales, it's like a niche within a niche. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think changing systems is going to help it change. It solve uh, solve much. Well, issue. Uh, unless I mean, unless, put it on PS4 and it will sell gangbusters, but that's not going to happen, uh, is unless it? Unless you can, well, no, unless like, it's not, there's, I mean, Persona sells well, but like the Shimagami games and the Devil Summoners don't sell a ton on. Well, well, but unless it is uh, a port, you can do without much effort. Yeah, I mean. I honestly, I think if they did port it or they made a sequel, I think Fire Emblem should be in the front of the title because <laughs> Tokyo Mirage Sessions doesn't say anything to me. I don't think there's enough Fire Emblem in that world. This no, there isn't. But it's, I mean, of the of the two brands, it's the one that people in the West know. <laughs> um, and, and, and and yeah, it's, it's it's also like there's just, I mean, aside from being on the Wii U and being a niche as it is, there's also certain limitations. It's a it's a Japanese game with subtitles. Which image your audience as it is, um, but yeah, I, I think that would be fun to continue that line. Um, who, who, like I said, Konami. So, so yeah, for for West, I think like your only and best option is basically Ubisoft. Yeah, and I mean, I think you'll get like I said, you'll I think you'll get a few stuff because even with the Wii U, EA supported them for like the first eight months or so. 
and yep. then and then so I I'll see them at least doing one sports because they've never not done a sports title. <laughs> a a mm-hmm. Madden and a FIFA would be like, okay, you know what we tried. Like the GameCube was like, oh, the memory cards we couldn't do the NCAA stuff. The Wii they tried mm-hmm. the all play stuff, which was stupid. <laughs> um, um, the other thing is what we haven't mentioned yet is there uh, might be decent indie support though. Yeah. And I, I, because and... you also have a lot of indies doing, still doing Vita stuff, and I bet a lot of those games would probably also be good fits on um, uh, the Switch. Yeah, um, I, and I could see because something... a lot of those games are already like cross-platform play between PS4 and Vita, so doing that on the Switch to have a, a good home experience and a good on-the-go experience would probably be good. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume, you know, I assume, I mean, it sold well best on Nintendo system, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Shovel Knight port at some point. Um, no, I would say that, that whatever that new game is called or that they are doing is probably coming. Oh, no, not the new game, but the expansion pack for that. Not the Plague Knight one, but the, um, no, it's not Shovel Knight, who is? But yeah, the, the expansion pack for Shovel Knight. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I could kind of see Guacamelee. We are, like I said, we already know about Rhyme. Rhyme. Yep. Um, yeah, and, you know, there's a lot like, like, I, I don't know what the street situation is, but, like, just thinking about what bigger indie titles came out, like, oh. I could see, like, for example, something like Darkest Dungeon. Uh, oh, yeah, and, like, I mentioned... uh, Just because that also probably would actually work better on the Switch if they implemented actual touch controls, which they well, have on Peter. I guess that I guess that's something we'll talk about next week. Because I'm really still intrigued by the touch aspect of the Switch because as far as I can tell you can't use the controller and the screen at the same time. Nope. So like, like you can't really have a touch game because the only time it's oh you when it's portable and if it's on the T V I mean it has IR but it's Yep, yeah. that will be your solution. You have an yeah. IR pointer. We'll see. Uh, oh, yeah, and I guess going back to it, I mentioned this earlier, but Devil 5 I also can see as a big supporter, uh, just because I feel like they've done more with it. They've had more success on the they, they will definitely do something. I don't know what, but they will do something. They'll, do, they'll have, I think there's like, they announced like a new Yokai watch, um, and I think they, no, they announced a new Amazuma 11, didn't they? I don't know. I have no idea what what level five is doing these days. <laughs> they had like a they had like the level five thing in, at the December, and they announced a mobile port of Imazuma Eleven, and they announced another title with no platform attached to it. Hmm. So I. But can... yeah, if if Yukai Watch is still a thing that sells, it is. They make it one. I, <laughs> like, uh, I, I uh, guess uh, you would make one for Switch, but like level five, it's kind of like Activision of the East. And that like they they're franchise to franchise because they kill off their franchises so quickly, but they always seem to find the next franchise just in time. Yokai okay, Watch didn't even survive a second one, not even in Japan. There's no, three of them. There's three of them. Oh, okay. But and the, the third one didn't do well. The third one did well, and then I think they started doing spinoffs. Huh. Okay. And then I think, and that's when you kind of killed a brand. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's like the first one did the first one sold decently but not great, and then they introduced the TV show and still was picked up. The second one sold really well, and the third one's a decline from the second one. And then they did a bunch of. Like, they also started to do the Pokemon thing where there was two versions of it, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. I don't know, maybe we'll come up with some new 
dumb bullshit. Yeah, like I said, they, they're always there. <laughs> I mean, I, nah, I didn't say that's a long shot. I could see a Nino Kuni 2 port, but that wouldn't make sense without the first one. I would love a Nino Kuni 2, 2 port, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> I also think they probably have something with Sony going there. See, I, I mean, I, I, mean, I guess... Namco that publishes it, though. Yeah, but Sony... I bet that thing wouldn't come out in the West if it wasn't for Sony third-party relations. Yeah, probably. Because the 3DS version never came out, did it? Uh, the original DS version, you mean. Oh, is that is that older franchise? Yeah. Yep. Okay. But, yeah, because I, I, I feel like... I mean, I and again, it depends on the business model. I just feel like for certain games, like, limiting that type of game to like a single platform, even if it's the PS4... It seems like, like, I guess because it makes no sense to port it to the Xbox One in Japan because you're going to go from selling 2,000 copies to 2,001 copies or something like that. But if you can go from 2,000 to 2,005, I mean, again, not a ton, but something. Um, It's it's weird because um, Japanese companies tend to to care more about what will sell in Japan than they will... uh, in the West, because okay. I mean, Nino Kuni, well, yeah, but like Nino Kuni, for example, if it isn't that kind of situation, it is weird because that game, I don't know about anywhere else, but in the UK, you couldn't get a copy of that game for love nor money when it came out on PS3. That's how popular it was. I'm pretty sure it was also a small print run. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Atlas does too. Um... Uh, the, the thing is, but the other thing is for Japanese companies, they are also incredibly risk-averse. Well, most companies are. More than some Western companies. You see when a new console come, comes out, like when PS4 and Xbox One come out, you see no many of those Western parties, but like, you, we have games. It wasn't probably as much as previous generations because people were still iffy about consoles. But it still was above and beyond what Japan has been doing. For, yeah. like, the last three years. But again, kind of to the point we've, we've been making the entire time, is that part of the reason for that is the console scene in Japan is pretty much dead. Like, really, it's the PS4 right now. The Wii U is... I dead. mean, there was a time where it was the PS2. Yeah, and, and then that, that Switch... Like, even as the best-selling console of that generation, the Wii U was a huge drop from the PS2. And right now, the PS4 is a huge drop from the Wii. Yeah, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying they are risk-averse. And so far, the best bet is the PS4, because that's the only console they have that's been selling. Well, and that's that's the thing. That's why it wasn't the best bet. The best bet was a combination of the 3DS and the Vita in some fashion, which is why a lot of people never made the jump to consoles. Unless you want to make a console game, and then it's the PS4. And then if you do, most of the time, it's paid for by somebody. Like, how many games Capcom gets paid for by somebody? Microsoft yeah, pays for I, Dead I, I, Rising. I, Sony pays for um, Street Fighter. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Disney's ripping part of the bill from Marvel vs. Capcom. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I mean, because, you know, part of the thing when they killed up Disney's studios was, like, we're going to license out our games to people who can make them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and and that's why I'm really curious to see, because, like, you can hedge your bet on the 3DS for the next year, year and a half in Japan, but we know that's kind of going on the way, it's on its way out. Do they make the transition to the Wii, the, the Switch, 
or do they hedge their bets on the West? Sorry, can you repeat? No, I was just saying, like, I'm curious to see what third parties do in Japan. Because, like, the thing is, like, do you hedge your bet on the 3DS continuing for the next year and a half and maybe trying to get those people over to the Switch? Or do you start hedging your bet on the PS4 and getting, gaining support in the West? Is going to be really what they're going to ask themselves over the next year and a half I'm, or so. I'm going to say it's probably going to be a sp- a split between those two. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to depend on the company. Like I see, you know, people like Square who are very Square has Square has been, I think, the best company at um, assessing Western sensibilities and adapting it to their games. Um, I think Capcom has tried, and I mean, we've seen what happened with Resident Evil Six. Uh, Resident Evil Seven seems to be devoid of all of that. We shall see. Mm. Um. And yeah, most other companies really don't exist anymore in that large capacity. Like, Sega doesn't really try anything like that anymore. Uh, Konami really doesn't... Mike? Konami might as well not exist? (laughs) And then, then, like, we keep on mentioning, like, Sega, Konami, Capcom, Square, and then you realize, like, that's kind of it for Japan these days. (laughs) Like, Hudson's gone. Um... Hmm. What, you know, there's a lot of Japanese companies. So, you know, like Square and Enix used to be two different companies. Bandai and Namco used to be two different companies. Um, yeah, yeah. That's why I said we, we have a lot of these small companies over that are doing, like, these Vita games. But I don't know if they will be willing enough to try the Switch. I think that probably depends on how well the Switch will do in Japan. Yeah, yeah, and it's and I, like you said to your point, and I think I think the big I think the big advantage they have is that Nintendo is a very Japanese centric company, sometimes still fought for out of us. Um, so it's not like Sony who do do well in Japan, but they don't really necessarily cater to Japan with their games. Mm. Um, yep, and even like even some of their big we didn't talk about this a lot of their big Japanese franchises are now kind of going mobile. Uh, they just announced, like, four or five mobile titles, and it's, like, Hot Shot and Wild Arms. Not Wild Arms. What is hey, it? there's still supposedly still that Hot Shots Golf coming for PS4. I don't know why it's taking so long, but <laughs> that game is coming, wink, apparently. Wink, wink. <laughs> hey, I need it. I love Hot Shots Golf. Hey, you can play it on your mobile device now. No... I mean, well, maybe if it's good. As I was say, golf is one of those games I don't... Yeah, golf actually could work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that seems that actually seems better in some ways because you have a bit more control. But, um, yeah. So, yes, that's 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 it. Uh, and this event is on... Well, it's Thursday night for me, Friday morning for you folks. I, I'm i going to say I'm not going to... <laughs> stay it. up would be the wor- wrong word. I'm not going to wake up at 5 a.m. to watch it. So yeah, that will be it. Um, but before we go, I actually wanted to talk about. Uh, I assume you were going to talk about Doom for being like the f- best first-person campaign of the year. Yeah, that would be my pick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I, I just think it nailed everything. Like, I love the level design. I think the action is fast and frantic and constant. Uh, love the music. The story okay. is okay. dumb in all the right ways. I'm it's gonna, amazing. I'm gonna have to add. I'm gonna stop you on that and ask you real quick because we mentioned this during the game awards. I have Doom. 
I want to start doing it sometime. But All I right. need to know, is the music at the Game Awards indicative of the music in the game? Because if that's the case, I might have to play this on mute. Of course it is. It's heavy metal. It's awful music. Oh, no, don't worry about it. Oh, don't worry about it. I had to turn the music off. Okay. Myself. Music's amazing. You. Like, I could, I could tolerate. I could tolerate the the new rendition of E one N one, and then after that, I was just like, okay, no, this is too much. <laughs> Philistines. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that music is awful. Because um, oh. it, it's not it's not melodic, and I like melodic metal. <sighs> uh, okay, and I, I guess I'll mention one game that actually did get to play uh, right be, right after Christmas that I really enjoyed. Um, Kirby Panet Robo Roboto. Mm. Robobot. Robobot. Which is it's a mouthful to say. <laughs> I'm so, and I'm surprised it wasn't like Robobot Bros in Europe or something. <laughs> But uh, actually, actually, really fun game. Really, I really enjoyed that. I've been meaning to buy it uh, for a while, actually, because um, it looks really cool. And I always like Kirby games. And yeah, I was. I saw the the giant bomb clip where you turn into like a scientist and you can cook methods Kirby and you can just <laughs> shoot syringes at people. And I was like, okay, that's this is really cool. I like this. <laughs> it's candy. It's not meth. Uh-huh. But I, I, in I, in our head canon, it's meth. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's funny if you call, if if you pretend that uh, it's, it's it's meth. <laughs> but yes, I I enjoy the power ups, and I love the and I think the robot actually adds a ton to it. And I like that they the robot isn't a mainstay. I don't even necessarily think it's in every level, but it's you know like each power you can get as Kirby changes slightly as the robot as well. And again, just kind of like I was saying with Gears of War, it's like the robot, you know, most of the enemies aren't really a threat to him. So it's always fun to kind of go back through stages and be like, I'm going to kick your ass. And Kirby's always kind of been one of those reaction games. Like, there's not a huge difficulty curve in that game. Um, though, I, you know, as soon as you beat it, you'll knock another, um, uh, another mode with Meta Knight, which I'm actually going through now, which is really fun. And I just and, and the game sense of humor is great. Uh, it's a you know a Susie who's like the evil henchman woman is really just a great character. I had a ton of fun whenever she was on screen. I like what they did with King DDD and Meta Knight. I won't spoil it. You know it, it has its Kirby staples. They find new and creative ways to introduce it. It's the you know, music's great. The 3D's really good. I mean if you play Triple Deluxe, I assume the 3D's very similar to that. Um, I haven't. I've been meaning to, meaning to play Triple Deluxe as well. Yeah, I've been I, secretly sort of hoping it goes on Nintendo Selects, but we don't get any Nintendo Selects in Europe anymore, apparently. So, <laughs> well, we got. I don't want to bring this up either because I was going to say this was on sale during, but it was on the eShop sale. So it was actually like an Amazon sale, for like fifteen bucks. Um, but yeah, really fun game. I think that would be up there for one of my favorite games I've played in the past year. Um, and I'm trying to think of anything else I've played this year. Anything else you folks want to talk about? Any indie games? I want to talk about Hitman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, because, because that game is of, in multiple ways amazing. Because I had all my hope for the Hitman series was kind of lost of absolution. Because that game was just awful in pretty much every regard. Kind of, it kind of felt like they killed the Hitman franchise. Then they announced this new Hitman thing, 
have a bunch of weird PR about how it's going to be distributed. Every, no one has any hope for this thing. Uh, not just because of a previous game, but also because, man, they're going episodic. What is this shit? And then it turns out the game is amazing. They have great levels. They do all the right things with creating these fun sandboxes to kill people in. And the op- episodic release schedule actually benefited that game in the sense that you kind of spend way more time fiddling around with every level, finding out different stuff about it, and they actually adding these escalations which further make you think about these levels in different ways. Yeah, I've heard that, I've heard that uh, from a lot of people in that like, essentially what it is, it's like you're, you just so, so, get so invested in knowing this one chapter, this one area, because you spend so much time in it and you get different hits and stuff that it becomes more intimate. Like, you know, okay, I know this guard's yeah. schedule, so I can, you know, I know how to sneak around him or I know how to take him out or when to take him out. And I mean, exactly, but then you get an escalation for all of a sudden they tell you, well, how about you kill this random guy as a waiter? Let's see how you do that. Yeah, and then and then and then and then they've had a lot of fun ones. Like I saw one. I don't know if it was true or not that you can kill Harry and Mar from Home Alone. Yep, like that's the, the thing they one. added over the holidays. Yeah. It was like a new holiday expansion, basically. They added. And, and and kind of, again, to the larger point of being a hitman, is that it makes more sense that like, a hitman gets random assignments. Not like, okay, here's like 50 assignments for you to do this weekend. It's like, you'll get one in January, then you get one in June. Um, but I'm sure that's what that wasn't their thinking. I don't think that's how it's presented, but in real world. Uh, well, that was the thinking, though, for the elusive targets, which yeah. they have all the time. Like, when they basically add a new NPC into a level, and you have, like, I don't know, 48 hours to kill him, or her, or them, sometimes multiple people, and um, you and those are always characters you don't know their schedule, you don't know what they're going to do, just get a short clip, um, which you can sometimes deduct from what their routine might be, but you only get one shot. If you fail, that's that. And that's also kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, and, and going back to your point, and this is something I actually I think happened with Rainbow Six uh, Vegas as well, is that I think sometimes we get so caught up in this is how a game should be so this is what a game is that when people try something different they don't not they don't necessarily know how to message it properly because yeah I remember, the big thing I remember from Hitman was to think about like, I'm not getting a full game at sixty dollars and it sounds mm. like what happened is like people got more than a full they got an experience for an entire year uh, you actually got above and beyond when it comes to content. Like, uh, this, this game has probably more content than the last three Hitman games combined. But, <laughs> Something like that. But again, yeah, if people, you think about it... Yeah, people were so focused on, like, this isn't a complete game. This is, I wanted everything day one, that you, they didn't see the forest for the trees. And I, I would be guilty of that as well. And I've heard the same thing about Rainbow Six Vegas. I remember that came out, and a lot of people just weren't into it. But I've heard throughout 2016 from a lot of people that they consider that one of the best online shooters out there um, just because of the support and the community. That's only, yeah, but that's only because the game released in a not-so-great state. Like, yeah. The netcode was bad and there was cheating and all that stuff. Yeah. 
and 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 I think sometimes with games, I think Hitman, I think Hitman was able to get over this. It's like sometimes what happens though is a game improves, and you don't necessarily get the same type of marketing you do when a game underdelivers. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not, like, you know, there aren't a ton of people singing this because you know it's. And this is kind of what, um, kind of tying everything together in this episode. This is kind of what I mean with Mario and Zelda being at launch. It's like a lot of a lot of us, uh, myself included. It's always like, what have you done for me lately? It's like, okay, like this game is old. Even if it's a week out, it's like this game is old. What's next? What's new? And I think that's a habit that I think we're. It's not a habit that we're. It's a habit that we have to break because a lot of games, like I said, are becoming games as services. It gets something like Overwatch, which as a game that you know continues to get new support, to, um, you know, month in and month out. You get Rocket League. Rocket League is almost two years old now. And that continues mm. to get new modes and new vehicles on those platforms, and I think, I think what happened was a lot of people. Got and, and Hitman for me is like a game that I don't know how many hours to put into it. Like I run one hundred percent of that game, and I'm still returning to it. Like just a couple of days ago, I had a new elusive target, so I booted up Hitman to do an elusive target because it's something new to do in that game. Yeah, and I think, and I think. I th- you know, part of it is the gamer's mentality, but I also do think part of it is I think a lot of companies, a lot of companies ruin this with this PS3 and 360 generation where their idea of games as services was to charge you more or to take out certain parts of content that you paid for with season passes or download mm. stuff like that, where a lot of games are like, no, 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 this is what we wanted to do and this is how we're doing it properly, like... Like I said, because I, I an extreme example, it's Mario Run recently came out, and look how many people mm-hmm. scuffed at paying ten bucks for it. But if it was free to pay, a lot of people would pay more than ten bucks without even noticing it, because they're used to getting. Because it. they're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's true. People, people, people are willing to pay if it if they think they give it, it gives them an advantage. But they aren't willing to pay for a complete package if they don't, if they if they're not used to it. And it's something that we, you know, you know, like when people used to have a, used to pay separately for an online experience, it's like that's not fun. That's just anti-consumerism. Where you see it now, where it's like, okay, if you folks had started with games like Overwatch and Rocket League and Hitman, then we wouldn't have been so reluctant to accept this this future you had in mind for us. Hmm. But Hitman just makes me so happy because it, it always has been one of my favorite gaming franchises. I really like Hitman. I mean, it started out really janky and stuff, but got so great by the time Blood Money came out. And then it just seemed like they ruined it with Absolution. And then the, this game actually pulled off this business model and course corrected the franchise itself is is just amazing and it's I, probably the most fun i had with a hitman game ever i might want to try it cuz i i mean i assume it's still the same thing but it might be different cuz i remember playing some of the older ones and i felt like they you needed such patience for them that i never really got into it um the new ones are i mean it's still about stealth. Like, if you expect to just shoot your way through these games, that's not going to happen. I know, but it sounds like what you described. But what, what they what what they do with uh, that was probably one of the few things Absolution introduced that's actually even better than this game um, is the opportunities. That if you play with opportunities on, you can walk around the level, and then it will tell you can hear in a conversation something that will tell you, oh. You can 
do this thing and will basically start like a quest line, let's call it, in that level, that will most likely get a target into a specific position that will allow you to do a kill. Okay, you see, that... that, that and that, that's easier way to learn the level. So you basically learn a couple of opportunities, but then... The, the level, all the levels have like tons of different challenges that you can do to earn new experience in that level that then unlock new items for you to use. And these challenges then often you can't do through these opportunities. So you have to think about new stuff to do. Yeah, so. But by that point, you learn the level, the layout, and what you can do. So yes, that is it for us. Uh, the first episode of 2017. We'll be back. We'll be back definitely next week um, to yep. talk about the Switch. I mean, like I said, with the Switch refill, it's like, I think New new Harder is the easiest example to get people together. Um, and I think, But we are also trying to get better and doing this regular again. Yes, and I think a lot of people's schedules have normalized. And for me, it's winter, so most of the weekends I will be here anyhow for a while. Um, mm. So yes, uh, for Anthony, who stepped out early, for Daniel, Martin, and myself, this has been Duo Wilton.